uh, sitting by, uh, this morning, I just want to share a simple message that I believe has uh, profound truth for our lives. And I want to share for you from a passage of scripture that's well known, uh, but might be better known as a story, because it's something that's used as an analogy out there, and it's the story of David and Goliath. And I don't know, for those who have been in kids' church, you probably remember the story. For those of us who are adults, we probably remember the story. Um, for those of us who have never been to church even, we probably have heard the story. Because it's used today as a metaphor and analogy out there to talk of taking on a Herculean, impossible task and do something great about it. But if that's where the story stops, I think we missed the real message. Because it's not just taking on a Herculean task, but is the power that enables us to do it. And that's where we've got to come this morning. And you know, life can be very overwhelming. How many of us have found that in life? <laughs> that life can be pretty overwhelming. Uh, you know, we are living in a time where mortgages have gone up to unprecedented uh, levels. We are wondering how do you Make your next payment in many instances. Groceries have gone up significantly. And you know, life, that, that's not all. We've got health issues. We've got things that are going on in life that suddenly pop out of nowhere, isn't it? It's not like we've kind of expected it. It's like, boom. Uh, I was thinking of those who, you know, and there are many here even this morning, who might be facing the challenge of mortgage. Last year, we were in this la-la land, isn't it? where we just didn't have a care in the world, mortgages were so low, and then suddenly every month it's been going up, and we're like, how are we going to make it work? And that's a task that lies before us. And this David, uh, the, the story of David and Goliath, found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, I believe, will leave some truths with us. It'll leave us an encouragement and leave us an understanding that we aren't in the journey alone. That we don't need to face our giants alone. That the one who is with us is there to stand and to take us through. And we're going to start with reading from our 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4. And it says, A champion named Goliath, who was from God, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was about six cubits and a span. And um, it's giving us a picture of Goliath. And, um, you know, Goliath was a big man. And when you say a big man, I'm not talking of a guy who stands this much over me or a little higher. He was, they say, in the region of nine foot to 9.9 inches, working the calculation. And um, I tried to picture that here today. And that would be approximately from here, his head would have brushed the cobwebs off the ceiling, right? That's about how big the guy was. So can you imagine, here is a situation, and the way it was um, in that time, they'd choose champions because it reduced the risk of or the uh, amount of expenditure on war, right? And it also made less casualties, so they'd choose champions. So my champion takes on your champion. Winner takes all. And that was basically what he was saying. He was saying, here I am. Take me on 
and you can win. And it goes on to explain a little more about him. He says he had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale on, on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor, bronze ties. On his bronze, on his ties that were bronze, bared a thousand shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed six hundred shekels. And his shield bearer went ahead of him. And we see here a picture of the enormity, the impossibility of the situation. And it's important to notice that when the people saw him, they quaked in fear. They didn't have an answer to the problem. And maybe this morning, we're here right now with a similar situation. Ours may not be a Goliath that brushes the cobwebs off the ceiling in height, but he may be a giant that's just as big in your life and mine. And today, what are we going to do about the giants? And we see here that these people, the Israelites, were quaking in fear. Now, you have to understand something. That the people of Israel, it was not that they didn't know God. They knew God. They knew of the miracles of God. From their childhood, every Hebrew boy, every Jewish boy, was taught the Torah. He was taught of the things of God. He knew of God's existence and power. He knew that the Lord had opened the Red Sea and had the Israelites come through. He knew that the Lord had closed back the sea and destroyed the army that was following them. Every Israelite child knew that the Lord provided 40 years in the desert. He provided the manna and he supplied the food. He knew that the clothes they wore for 40 years, I don't know how it happened, but for 40 years, their clothes didn't wear out. It would have really done a big disservice to the garment industry, right? Imagine if that happened today, right? But we don't clothes necessarily wear in a first world situation. We don't necessarily change our clothes because we have to, but because the latest trend tells us to, right? But uh, these guys, I mean, they were living in a different zone in the power of God. But the minute the giant turns up, everything gets forgotten. Isn't that a bit like us? Well, it certainly is like me. That sometimes when the giant turns up, we cease to look at the glory, the power of God, and we start to bend before the giant. You see, the giant to them was a reminder of the fears of the past. Numbers chapter 13. God tells them that they're going to cross into a land of divine provision. A land where they would go and have, it was as God called it, a land flowing with milk and honey. A land of blessing and prosperity. A land that they would thrive. But all they could see was the impossibilities. So what did they say? They said, and they spread among the Israelites, these are the spies that went in, a report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. They're talking of 
the descendants of Goliath. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And they're making a presumption. They're saying, we looked like grasshoppers to them, and we looked like grasshoppers in our own eyes. You see, what was happening was they were taking their concept of their situation, and they were putting it out there and saying, that is the concept that's out there. That is the concept I got to work with, that I am a grasshopper, a small squashable insect, and my giant is bigger than me. And that was the fear that they had in the past. So they had not dealt with the fear. Though God had shown up, God had done the miracle, the fear was still in the back of their mind. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that fear is there, isn't it? That the next great giant has the potential to raise up the fears of the past. The fears of God, can you do this? And rather than seeing the divine supernatural way that God worked, they started to dwell in the fear of the past. And I want to tell you, church, that if God wants to take us to a new height, if we want to experience breakthrough in our situation today, we got to be willing to let go of the fear of the past. Be willing to let go of the fear of the past. Those things that have loomed up behind us, you know, like it's got its tentacles out to hold us down, we got to shake free of those. We do have to acknowledge that God is greater than our greatest fear. That God's power is there. And in our weakness, as the Apostle Paul says, his power is made perfect. You know, I was uh, reading a book recently by Stephen Furtick. And um, there was one little passage that really spoke to me. Because he, he says, we are given... When God introduced himself to Moses and God, Moses, he gave Moses a command and he said, go into the people and take them out of Egypt into the promised land. Uh, Moses said, what if they ask who sent me? And he says, you are to give them the name I am. And the name I am is not one that's restricted to the present, but it is a name that is the same in the past. I am. It's not a name I was. It's not a way I will be. It is a present tense. I am, and I continually will continue to be. I don't change. So he tells them, uh, or tells Moses, you are to give them the name I am. You see, when we are ch chosen of God, when we have God in our lives, we have the great I am. But it's what we put after that word that is important. Because sometimes we dishonor God by putting in a word that does not represent God after the word I am. For instance, you might say, I am weak. Weakness is not God. Or you might say, I'm a failure. Or you might say, I am insufficient. I am inadequate. 
what are you doing? You're putting on to the great I am a weakness, and that brings an incompatibility, and it brings fear. So what should we be doing? We are given the attributes, we are given the power, we are given a measure of God within us. When we face our giant, we should be saying, I am strong. I am powerful. I am sufficient. What are you saying? It's not me. The great I am within me, the God who is within me, is strong. The God who is within me is great. The God who is within me is powerful. And friends, I'll tell you, it changes our outlook on life. It gives us a brand new perspective. So getting back to the story, we find that Israel has come to a place where they're so caught up with the impossibility of the giant that they're quaking in fear. But onto the scene comes a young man. And I was thinking of Joshua today when he took baptism today, right? Uh, he's a young man who's taken a decision to be different, a, diff uh, a choice to honor God. And this young man, David, had made a choice. He'd made a choice that God was going to be the Lord of his life. So he comes onto the scene. He's uh, given a very simple task by his father. Go give some supplies. Your brothers are part of the army. Go and give them su some supplies. And he comes in and he hears what is going on. And David is infuriated because he sees that there is not just ridicule to Israel's army, but there is ridicule being cast on God. And I'm going to read this to you. This is uh, what David asked, because he's coming in and Saul, who is quaking in fear, the Israelite king, gives out a, a, a call. He says, if anyone, if anyone, he's, he doesn't want to be the one. He should have been the one taking on the giant. He, it, the Bible says that he was a head taller than all others in Israel. But he was like, I'm not doing it. If anyone else wants to do it, put your hand up. I'll, I'll bless you. I'll take away your taxes. Right? So here we go. Let's read what happens in um, 1 Samuel 17, 26. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. You see, David had a different perspective. Where others were in fear, David saw divine possibility. He saw that these people were not just Israelites, but they were armies. They were people empowered by God. And you know, sometimes we can be empowered and not know it. Is that right? We can be empowered and not know it. The minute you gave your heart to Jesus and you said, Jesus, I'm asking you to come in as Lord and Master of your life, you received the power of God within you. You received His Holy Spirit power. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14 that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and His power is available to us is made evident in us. So guys, you are empowered. You may not know it, you may not realize it, but if you are walking in the presence of God, you are empowered this morning. 
Will you turn to somebody next to you and say, I am empowered? Will you do it? You know, there, there, there's a lot of strength in the words we speak. The Bible says that in the words we speak is the power of life and death. Yeah? So sometimes I think we've got to get out of our skin and be willing to say it. And when you say it, you're actually putting some words to what you believe. It's very easy to say. It's a lot more difficult to say, I'm empowered. How many of you did it? Yeah? Okay. Good for you. All right? It's your first step to victory. The enemy's tactics. The enemy, uh, you know, he hasn't, uh, it's interesting, he doesn't change his tactics. He's tried a long time, but he doesn't. He just comes up with the same thing, same old, same old, same old. And you know what the enemy's tactics is? He gets into our minds. He gets into our thinking. He affects the way we see things. And his tactics haven't changed. And he wants us to move from into a place of fear. And fear moves us from a place of trusting God to trusting man. A place from believing that the word of God is truth to believing that my thinking, my understanding, my perspective is truth. And friends, maybe we are caught in that today. I'm going to read Samuel 1 Samuel 17, verses 32, uh, sorry, 34, 32, 33, sorry. David said to Saul, so he goes and um, lets Saul know, you know what, if nobody's willing to do this, you just give it over to me. I'll handle the giant, I'm not afraid. And he goes to Saul and he says, Saul, you know what, I'll take this on. Here's what Saul's answer is. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from youth. You see, not everybody will encourage your faith. Sometimes we might have a, uh, a great enthusiasm. It might write within us, and we might get that feeling of, I want to take it on. I'm going to trust God. And then you'll get the naysayers who'll come around you and tell you, you're, you're making a big mistake. You know, how can God work in that situation? Has he ever done that before? Are you really going to believe he's going to do that today? You know, there's a strategy. It's not working according to the plan. So Saul tries to use or impose his method onto David. And he tries to dress him up in the armor that he bore. He tries to say, you know, David, it's a really good idea, but God's a little difficult to trust. Why don't you trust my armor? Because my armor might be a little more protective than the power of God. So he dresses David in his armor, but it doesn't work. You see, David knew that it wasn't the external armor. And there's many times in life, isn't it, where we say, God, if this lines up, because we are thinking natural, right? And we say, God, if this lines up, and if this lines up, and if this lines up, the miracle comes. And God says, that's not a miracle. 
That's not a miracle. That's just how it should be done. If you want a miracle, you got to be willing to trust me and my way. You got to be willing to trust that I got a better way. You got to be willing to believe. And David was not willing to try to put on an armor that was not meant for him. You see, I can't tell you how many times in life we say, God, if only this were to happen. What are we doing? We are telling God, God, this is the problem, mathematic equation, right? This is the solution, uh, the, 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 the way to work it out, and this will be the answer. So God, I've got this one, you do that one, and then we'll get this one. And God says, not doing it that way. Not doing it that way. Because I don't work in your equation, I work in mine. My power is made perfect in weakness. Hey, my power is made perfect in weakness. And we think that we got to be strong for God to be strong. God says, no, you become weak. Uh, I was reading a thing on Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to um, China. He was used fully by God in China. And somebody went up to Hudson Taylor and he asked Hudson Taylor, Hudson Taylor, what is, what is the secret for the great success you have had in this nation? And Hudson Taylor says, for many years, God was looking for someone who was weak enough. And he finally found me. You see, in our weakness, his power is made perfect. And maybe today we feel a bit weak, we feel a bit incapable, we feel a bit, you know, like the unlikely candidate. And God says, actually, you're the one. You're the one who's going to show my greatness. Because if you got it all in order and you try to do this, you're going to think you did it in your strength. So go empty yourself. Go empty yourself. Come to a place where you have to say, God, I can't do this. It's got to be you. And David had to empty himself of Saul's armor. He said, this won't fit me. Let's read it. Verse 38. So Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took off, took in his hand, in his, uh, took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. You see, God may be just telling us today, I'm ready for the miracle, but you're not. I'm ready to perform the miracle, but you're not ready. Because you've got a bit too much of you. You've got a bit too much of your plan in the process. You've got a bit too much of your, this is how it got to be, God. Are you willing to abandon that this morning? Are you willing to say, God, okay, I'm dropping that one down. You know, the Bible says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. 
And this morning, I just want to encourage you as a take home from today. Maybe you are here praying for a miracle. And maybe you've got the ducks lined up and you're saying, God, this, 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 and this, and this is going to equal this. Maybe God is telling you this morning, be willing to trust me. Take off the armor. Take off the armor. Because that ain't going to what I'm going to be using this morning. That is not what I'm going to be using. You come with a readiness to use whatever you've got in your hand. You come with a readiness to say, God, it has to be you. When you take five stones and a sling against a giant that tall, you've got to be willing to say, God, it's got to be you, not me. It's got to be you. I don't have much, but it's got to be you. And God is saying to you this morning, what you have in your, ma in your hand is what I'm going to use. What you have in your hand is what I'm going to bring the miracle from. So don't look outside. Look to what God is able to do. You see, we need to understand this. That God's able to work in impossible situations. That we can trust him. He is trustworthy. So we're going to read what happens next. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we find that David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You see, he didn't see that his problem was against him. And yesterday we were speaking at youth camp, and one of the things we looked at was that we need to understand that there is a battle going on. The battle is for every one of our destinies. So every situation that comes against us is not just to knock us down, but to keep us from the destiny that God has for us. And David had a recognition that this was not just coming against a people, but coming against the things of God. And when we come to realize that, friends, our prayers will be different. Our prayers will be powerful because our prayers understand that the God who is God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, is the God who fights for us. You see, when we don't understand, we look at my little problem, my little sickness, my little this. This is all happening to me. Poor me. I'm in impossibility. I'm in pain. I'm in, you know, the bad situation. I can't pay for this. I can't do this. It becomes about me. But the minute we start to see who we are in Jesus, a child of the living God, we see that every situation that comes against us is not against me but against God. And you know what happens? When we take that realization, our prayers will change. Our prayers will be powerful prayers. There'll be prayers that start to acknowledge that no weapon that, are, that is formed against me shall prosper because God fights for me. Hey, God fights for you. Church, God fights for you. Why are you fighting alone? Why are you trying? to wear the armor that doesn't suit you. Why are you trying to do it on your own? The Bible is telling you and I this morning that it is his power. So he says, 
but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Friends, that's where victory comes. The God of the, of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled, he is understanding strategy. He's understanding the enemy. He's understanding where the fight should be. If we don't understand where the fight is, we'll fight in the wrong place. Everybody, every time somebody says something and it hurts me, we get angry with them. Friends, what's happening? The enemy is trying to destroy your peace and your joy that the Lord has for you. So you take on the battle where it should be fought. You fight in the name of the Lord. And you say, Lord, I just take control over this situation. I take these words and I nullify them because that is the power you have given me. Fight the battle where it should be fought. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. He's speaking in faith. This is, a, a, if I could say, this is a picture of the prayer we should be praying. When our Goliath stands before us, this is a picture of the prayer we should be praying. The words that should be coming forth from our mouth. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. He's saying, I will totally annihilate you. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the wild animals. He's speaking words that are saying, I am not going to be taken down. We are speaking in overcoming terms. Um, he goes on and he says, All those gathered here will know that this is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. You see, he is turning the battle around. He is turning the battle around. And I want to encourage your church that there's so many times that we succumb to our battle. We fail to see that, you know, the battle is the Lord's. And when we do, we are going to see success. So he had to speak a word of faith. And I want to encourage you. So we looked at uh, the first part is to know that you are empowered. It's not something you're going to try and gra grab. You already have it. Because when God is in your life, when Jesus has saved you, when your life is touched by the hand of God, you are already empowered. The second is that we need to find where our battles are. And we need to be willing to say, God, this battle is not against just little, my little situation. This battle is against you. Because he's trying to rob my destiny, which is written by you. So the enemy doesn't have control over that. So I'm taking the battle to the real place. And then we need to be willing to profess in faith. We need to be willing to speak like David, a word of faith. A word against the enemy, declaring that God's power is going to bring change. The battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. You know, we need, if we are going to win battles, we need the Word of God. Because the Word of God is the power for your life. The Word of God will enable you to walk through the minefields of life. And uh, I guess I'm a bit influenced from yesterday by speaking to the youth, but I'll put it out there for you as well. I had an OHP and it's gone, so I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, but, you know, if you're going for into a battle, 
right? And let's say there was a minefield in front of you, right? It was all minefield there, right? And you had to get across. Would you want a map or not? Question. Would you want a map or not? The youth got it right yesterday. Let's, let's ask some of the others. Uh, do you want a map or not? Those say yes, raise your hand. Those say no, put it down. Okay. A few do, a few don't. Right? Um, I would be very nervous to try to navigate a minefield without a map. The map for your life and mine is the Word of God. Because the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, that your word is a light to my feet and a lamp to my path. It illuminates the path and shows us where we are to go. So if we don't have the map, you're going to tread on some landmines. Your life is going to erupt and explode. And by God's grace, let's hope that you make it to the other side. You see, the map helps us get through. And if we don't read the Word of God, we are not equipped to fight the battle. Today we are given the Word of God. You're here listening to the Word of God. And the Word of God is giving input into your life and mine. But that's not sufficient. You need to pick the map of life up every day. You need to say, God, give me a word for today. Give me a word that will help me to navigate the minefield that lies before me. Because every day, a new landmine is added. But the reality is that the word of God will take you past. It'll take you through the minefield of life. So don't explode, erupt, burn up. Read the map. Read the word of God. Paul says it to the Ephesian church in this way, and I'll read it to you. He gives them a strategy for life. And he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And he says there is an outcome when we do that. And he says, The peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I'm going to leave this with you that God wants us to take some decisions. If you're in a situation with an impossible Goliath this morning, entrust your Goliath. Entrust your challenge to God. And you know what entrusting is? Entrusting is to leave it there. You know, too often we go, we give it, and then we go and pick it up. We come to church and say, God, here's my problem. It's so big. It's so great. It's so impossible. Here it is. And we sense this great sense of relief. But as we go out the door, we bend down, we pick it up, we carry it again, 
and say, God, I'm so stressed, I'm so stressed, I don't know how you're going to come through. We didn't really entrust. Entrust is to give over. So I encourage you this morning, entrust to God. The extent to which, which you are willing to trust is going to determine the extent of your peace. Is that valid? The extent to which you will trust is going to be the extent of your peace. If you don't trust God can really do it, your peace that he is going to answer it is going to be this small. Right? But as our trust rises that God is the God of the impossible, that God is the God who can do exceedingly more than I can think or ask, what's proportionately rising with my trust? My peace. My peace will rise at the same level as my trust. So if your peace wants, has got to rise, if you're feeling stressed, let your trust rise. And he is trustworthy. He is the God who is faithful. Reset your thinking. Paul says, and think on these things. Think on the things that are going to take you to your destiny. Think on the things of the power of God. You know, we devote our mind so often to stressful thoughts, to impossibility. Jesus put it this way. He says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. He says, instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Mm -hmm.